The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medianomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. You can go three minutes without air, three days without water, and three weeks without food. Why is this important for us to know? I just gave a message on May 2nd that's very interesting. She's told us in the past, look at the signs of the times on several occasions. Look around you, my children, at the signs of the times. But on this recent message, she ups the ante. Because we're graduating towards something. And she doesn't tell us just to look at the signs of the times. She invites you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times. Why is this different? Because she's never said, observe well. She's never approached it saying, I invite you. Why? Because many people don't want to look at that. Many people do not want to observe in an intense way the signs of the times because often 
is very discouraging and even frightening. Why does she say this? Where do we get those words from? Are the biblical words? I already said just before that, my children, my words are neither old nor new. They are eternal. What is the word? Christ, who was sent to the earth, made flesh. What was his words? The Bible. What is the Bible? Revelation. And most everybody would say about Our Lady, she's just private revelations. And we know in the Word that it was Jesus who said, look for the signs of the times. He didn't say in those days, in his days, or just after his days, watch for the signs of the times. We're in the time of Revelation. Our Lady is here given her private revelations to bring about public revelations. It's a tricky line because everything would be passed off that the apparitions we give would be private revelations. And so it's not as significant as public revelations, which is the word. But what if Mary is here to usher in truth about public revelations, what the Bible reveals? In Revelations, the book of Revelations. If her words are neither old or new, they are eternal. That's the word of God. Then she says directly after that, Therefore I invite you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times. This woman, this queen, the woman of chapter 12 in the book of Revelations, is talking about the words of the Bible. To observe well the signs of the times. This is what Jesus was telling us 2,000 years ago. She's saying, you're in this moment. You believe in the apparitions, but you don't think, oh, come on, it can't be now. We know things are dire. We know things are serious. We know we're in crisis. We know all kinds of things are happening. But could this be the moment? Therefore, I invite you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times. She wants you to analyze it. Take it apart, look at it, meditate, contemplate it, pray fast, look at it from every angle. And then she drops this. And to be apostles of the revelation. That's very profound. She didn't say private revelations. Why would she say that, connecting it to observe well the signs of the times? So the fullness of what she says, these words of mine are familiar to you because they are the truth. Why does she have to come 2016 and tell us this? If we know truth. She continues, they are the truth and the truth does not change. I just heard a pastor on the radio saying, that we can't go back what people believed 25, 50 years ago, that things have changed. We have to adapt to this. In other words, he was saying the truth is changeable. I was shocked. Truth does not change. It is only that me and my children have forgotten it. So because we forget truth, we think it's only relative. 
It changes with the signs of the times. She continues, My children, my wards are neither old nor new. They are eternal. Therefore, I invite you, my children, to observe well the signs of the times, to gather the shattered crosses, and to be apostles of the revelation. You are alive in the moment of Bible. You are alive in the moment of revelation. And you're going to wait around? You're going to do what people have done in the past, that the government is so stable, is so big, is too big to fall, the banks are too big to fall, somebody's going to rescue me? When you're helpless and you go down to Bay St. Louis after Hurricane Katrina and you see the people, the city government, employees are totally dependent on us when we brought down 20 trucks and tractors and equipment and that many people, they were completely depleted of the ability to take care of anything on their own without outside forces and sources coming in. That being the case, where are we headed? Observe well the signs of the times. Reason things out. What are you going to do? Can we look at the world to see some of the signs, what happens when everything breaks down? Can we observe something that would show us a pre-commercial of something that might give us what things will be like in the future, in the near future? Yes, we can. And Venezuela is that picture. It's entitled Apocalypse Now, Eating Cats and Dogs to Survive. In what's being called an apocalypse, Venezuela is experiencing an economic and social meltdown due to lack of food, medicine, water, electricity, and money. With little recourse, many Venezuelans are turning to crime. Last week, a mob of 5,000 looted a supermarket in Maracay, leaving two dead. According to the testimonies of merchants, the endless food lines that Venezuelans have been enduring to do groceries could not be organized that day. As time went by, desperate Venezuelans grew anxious over not being able to buy food. Then they started jumping over the gates. They took milk, pasta, flour, oil, and milk powder. There were 5,000 people, one witness told a reporter. People from across the entire state came to the supermarket because there were rumors that some products not found anywhere else could be sold there. There were 250 people for each National Guard officer, lots of people and few soldiers. At least one officer was beat up because he tried to stop the crowd, another source said. In late April, the Venezuelan Chamber of Food warned producers had only 15 days of inventory. Venezuela has imposed increasingly desperate measures on its citizens as the nation's economic crisis has deepened. Although it is a large oil producer, last week the El Palito refinery, which is the nation's main fuel supplier, halted operations with under 10 days of inventory remaining. The stoppage is estimated to last 45 to 60 days, and the nation has very little gasoline available. 
Workers are reporting refineries are operating at 30% capacity. The economic crisis and consequent hyperinflation is causing cascading problems or shortages in many crucial sectors, including food, water, electricity, medicine, jobs, and schooling. The month of May has been officially termed the month of hunger. The director of the Documentation Center for Social Analysis, Oscar Meza, said measurements of scarcity and inflation in May are going to be the worst to date. Meza said the trigger for the crisis is the shortage of bread and other foods derived from wheat. He also said prices are so high that you can't buy anything. So people don't buy bread. They don't buy flour. You get porridge. You see the price of chicken go up and families struggle. People used to take food from home to work, but now you can't anymore because you don't have food at home. People are reportedly hunting cats, dogs, and pigeons to obtain food. For three years in a row, Venezuela has reported the highest inflation rate in the world, with estimates ranging from 186% to 800%. Because of the scarcity of essential food and goods, the black market has flourished, as has crime. In Caracas, a man accused of mugging people was surrounded by a mob who beat him and set him on fire. So you say that can't come here? Anarchy happens when people go hungry. We've told you before, Hitler had to feed his people, and he did so remarkably up to 1943. Then they lost faith in him. And so it is, we're all going to the bottom, every one of us, those who prepare, those who don't prepare. As we said a couple of weeks ago, though, you're going to be shocked when things happen. It's going to happen very suddenly, and it's going to be the equivalent to falling off a cliff. But in the time of grace, our lady says you're in a time of grace, use this time well, means you can gracefully prepare for what's coming. You're going to end up at the bottom of those who fall off the cliff, but your choice is to walk down the trail, zigzagging back down to the bottom. It's going to be a different way to live. It's not going to be all pleasantries, but we'll be closer to God. And the purpose of purification is just that, to go and grow more dependent on God, to realize He's the Creator, not us. What we create is destined to pass. Our Lady's messages have shown us very clearly everything that is not going to be glorifying God in the future will not exist and will not continue. She's here telling us, observe this very well. Look at the signs. If this has happened in Venezuela, will it not happen somewhere else? They went to the dictatorship of Chavez, who thought he was a god, had his self-worship, and actually the government now that's taken over is trying to continue that in even a more harsh way. And so anarchy breaks loose. There's no order. So you say, well, this caused me panic. This caused me so to be frozen where I don't do anything. I tell you, if I lived in a neighborhood of subdivision, I would be getting with my neighbors and talk to them, what do you think is going to happen in the future? What if something happens? How are we going to protect ourselves? You can't sustain yourself in that system, but one thing you would do, I would go to them, is go and have a community food bank. 
And you can't save yourself by storing food. You have to have some plots or some lots in your subdivision where you can start growing gardens. It's a matter of just approaching your neighbors and educating them. If you can't get out of there and get some land right now, you got to do what you can do. What are the circumstances at hand? There's a book called Prosper by Chris Matheson and Adam Taggart that talks about prospering. It's about living in the world that's coming. And I don't subscribe to everything they say in the book. But what they're doing is trying to show people don't suffer in the future because of your blindness. We are headed for a big, big change. And you can't sit there and keep doing your sports on Saturdays and going to your pleasures. Every ounce of time you have, every moment you have, throw your TV out and start preparing. And if you don't have the money to get out and you're in a subdivision, one thing you can do with your neighborhood, be innovative, be thinking. Throw a potluck dinner and tell everybody, we want to talk about the future, about security, what happens if there's a breakdown. Because everybody knows this is happening. And have a potluck dinner. Have it in your front yard or backyard. And have everybody come over to bring your own chairs. Sit there in a circle. Let the kids play. Get to know each other. And say, why don't you research this? Why don't you do this research? And then get back together the next week and say, let's start meeting twice a week. Let's have these meetings minimum once a week. It may be informal and a little bit uncomfortable to start with because you don't know your neighbors. But this way you can do it. You can have it in a different yard every time. But this is the thing you have to do. They're your neighbors, and if you're going to seek help, are you going to seek robbing them? And the more research, or they find the first shot, get these books, you can get people doing this. You can be the only Catholic neighborhood. You don't have to have a believer next to you. It's to their advantage to say, hey, what if we do if there's an anarchy or if there's a breakdown? So be innovative. There's a lot you can start doing right now. We're coming into another time. Italy, up into the 1800s, even the early 1900s, had villages that had to protect themselves from the neighboring villages. You've got Obama doing things that he is rapidly subsidizing rent, allowing the poor to come in. And I don't mean poor, I mean those who don't work, those who are not of a civility in the way they live. And he's saying that they have a right to be moving in neighborhoods, that they subsidize apartments, they're doing Section 8 housing, and they're trying to get cities to annex these areas, suburbia. They want to destroy suburbia. There's a book out about it. It's incredible stuff. And Obama's doing everything he can. If a subdivision is going to be built right now, you have to have housing in there that's going to be available for people that's going to be subsidized that bring in crime. You say, well, that's only fair. No, it's not fair. They say it's elites are moving out or the middle class. Obama's war is against the middle class. He says he's for it. Do research on it yourself. This stuff has happened so quickly, so rapidly, that you can go get apartments for people that pay very little for it and are crime-ridden. They're moving these people into areas and you're seeing crime go rampant. Everywhere. And they say, well, it's just trying to be equitable. No, it's not. They don't have morals. They don't have values. They don't think the same thing or you think may think or the values you have for your children. And it's very dangerous. And it's an agenda. 
I won't go into all these things. You do your research. So in your subdivision or your area, you need to be getting with your neighbors. You order the book. I guess Amazon.com, you probably can get it called Prosper. And there's community food banks that you could do, which is just a temporary thing that tells you nine families can do this with five tons of food, et cetera. But you've got to start getting together. But it's not through physical action. First, you have to pray. If you're not of the same faith, you need to come together and say, let's just all pray together in our families at homes and then come together in whatever form you can pray at that point. But you've got to start thinking. You have to start acting. You cannot go into the future where we're headed blindly. Our lady didn't say, use this time well. Our lady's not saying, observe these signs of the times well. Our lady's not saying, be an apostle of the revelations without what I'm telling you now to do that. We're in the moment of Bible. I'm convinced Our Lady is going to crush the serpent's head, and she's here to stop this and interrupt the Antichrist time before it comes, so that we'll already have people that when Christ comes at the time of the Antichrist, and I'm not negating that this is not a time of Antichrist. It is. If it's not confronted and stopped by us now through Our Lady and through our messages, we will be in that time. But if it's not the time for the second coming, then they need role models. They need cognition. They need the experience of how to live without the support of the church. What did I say? Without the support of the church? Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. The church is very sick. The church is in crisis. Where have you seen one bishop out there go have a rally about the bathroom situation now? No, I'm saying anything. Oh, they might write a letter. They may say we're against it. Shame. Shattered crosses are what's in the church right now. We don't have from the pulpit and from our diocese giving what we need to do. We've got the power. We sent some of our people down to a rally in Montgomery, Alabama in support of Judge Roy Moore. They suspended him a second time. He's already been kicked off the Supreme Court. We reelected him. And Judge Wormore now is suspended because he stood up with the whole court and seven other justices to fight the U.S. Supreme Court that we will not oblige to change marriage. You have no authority to do that. It's against natural law. And he stood up and they suspended him by complaints of the Bonnables which is shameful for the judicial board who do that, who doesn't even have jurisdiction. But we went down there and gave away our marriage brochures to several hundred people. And they came from Nevada. They came from Mississippi, different places across the United States, looking for what we need to do. And the supporters judge were more. They read the brochure as even the people who were speaking spoke. One person came up and told our people, they're so glad that Catholics were doing something. He was a Protestant. He was thrilled that something was being done by Catholics. We need Catholics standing up. It's only the Protestants doing this. What is he saying, though? How do you interpret that? I'll tell you how it's to be interpreted. The diocese in a county or five counties has power like no other Christian church in the nation. We cover the United States of America by our bishop and every county he's over. 
in the 75 or 100 or 200 churches that he's over. There is power. And they sit on the power, just like you sit on the hands, doing nothing. And so we have a weak church. We have no voice. And yet we're sitting on a great, great power. George Weigel, who he was 20 other Catholics saying we can't vote for Trump because of what he stands for. And here it is, this guy's coming up with his own list of the Supreme Court justices and everybody with it and everything in line with what we think. And because he's not Christian, who, who is this guy to say that? But anyway, I'm quoting from him. He says, Christmas 1969, Professor Joseph Ratzinger gave a radio talk with a provocative title, What Will the Future Church Look Like? And of course, that's Pope Benedict. But he calls Pope Benedict saying, from the crisis of today, a new church of tomorrow will emerge. A church that has lost much, she will become small and will have to start afresh, more or less, from the beginning. That is who we are. Be apostles of the revelation. She will become small and will have to start afresh, more or less, from the beginning. She will no longer be able to inhabit many of the edifices that she built in prosperity. Wow, churches are closing down everywhere. This is 1969. As the number of her adherents diminishes, so she will lose many of her social privileges. We have lost the way. We have no power over people going to the bathroom because we don't exercise the power that we have. There was five or six hundred people at the rally. But what if a bishop said, I call my whole diocese to go to that? You know how many people would respond? Thousands, tens of thousands. We'd fill the streets. But we have sissy bishops. They're feminized. They don't say anything. They're sitting on their hands doing nothing. Am I frustrated by this? I am certainly frustrated by it. Why should I not be? Ratzinger in 1969 continues. So she will lose many of her social privileges. They're taking our tax credits away. They're taking the rights of what we have as zoning away. Churches are put in one area, not in neighborhoods no more, et cetera, et cetera. In contrast to an earlier age, she will be seen much more as a voluntary society entered only by free decision. But in all this, the church will find her essence afresh and with full conviction in which was always at her center. Faith in the triune God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made man in the presence of the Spirit and to the end of the world. That is what we are. That's who we are. That's why we're being raised up as apostles of the latter days. That's why she says observes well the signs of the times because we cannot depend on that structure anymore. They're not helping us. They're not there. They come. They don't even allow magic or in it when it's proven by science and it's proven by conversion and it's proven by worldwide fasting, worldwide penance, confession. What else do you need? We had a cowardly church now. And the prophet 
It says here, Professor, but I say Prophet Benedict says in 69, it will be a smaller, leaner church, and we're there. You need to start acting. You may not be able to go to Mass every Sunday. Enjoy your daily Mass. And he says, live the Mass. And we're coming in a time where we'll be doing that. You might wonder why many bishops don't stand up. Because they see the bishops that have stood up are being ostracized in the crush. Be crushed. There's things to die for. Are you scared? Or you want to be known of, well, I didn't make any waves? Make waves, bishops. We want waves. We will join you in waves of people out in the streets. I don't understand you. I really don't. And it's a shame. A real shame. Because in the Greenwood, while we can act, while he's with us, so much could be done. But you're sending us to the guillotines through your silence. You're going to be troubled. As we have often quoted, August 25th, 1997, soon will come a time you will lament for these messages because you could have acted on them, but you didn't. And so what kind of time have we entered into? The catacomb time where you had to go hide. You had to do everything underground. We're coming to an underground church. In fact, we're already doing things like that. I will be squashed. But our resilience, the splendor that we show, how we live and what we do is because of Our Lady. And there's going to be a springtime. And I'm grateful with this community that we play a great role and we're part of that, a fresh church that comes. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.